From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott. When U.S. Senator Johnny Isaacson announced in August of 2019 that he would be stepping down, months passed before Governor Brian Kemp announced a temporary replacement in a highly anticipated announcement. Today, I'm proud to announce that conservative businesswoman and political outsider Kelly Leffler will be Georgia's next U.S. Senator. During the announcement, Governor Kemp introduced Leffler as a woman who worked her way up the corporate ladder and achieved the American dream, making her the very successful and very rich finance executive that she is now. Beyond that, however, Georgia voters don't know so much about their new senator, who was sworn in by Vice President Mike Pence on Monday. Greg Bluestein does. He's political reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. He's been covering Senator Leffler, and he joins us in the studio to tell us what we know or don't and what to pay attention to. Greg, great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being here. Governor Kemp's appointment of Leffler came as somewhat of a surprise. Representative Doug Collins from Georgia's 9th District was considered pretty much the favorite for that appointment. Why do you think Kemp went in a different direction? Well, he wanted to do a few things. He wanted to look a little bit outside the box, and in Republican parlance, uh, tapping a female uh, Republican senator is outside the box. And he wanted to go with someone who was not part of what he conceives as, as the establishment. Um, and, and Kelly Leffler, although she is part of the business establishment in, in Georgia, she is not part of the political establishment. She's a political newcomer. As, as you heard him say, she is an outsider. She has never served in office, never run for office. She ble- briefly flirted with a run for Senate back in 2014. But she is not part of what you would see as the as the Georgia political you know, structure here. And the interesting thing about her, and one of the reasons she is such a fascinating political uh, character to cover, is that she is so so unknown among even Republican activists, Republican elected officials, the people who kind of drive the backbone of, of the Republican Party here in Georgia. Um, a lot of them reserved judgment on her, not because uh, they didn't like her or because they were concerned about her, but because, frankly, they had never met her before and they mm-hmm. wanted to meet her. Oh, right. So you've been digging into a little bit about her. In Governor Kemp's appointment speech, he compared her to President Trump. Let's hear just a clip from that. And like our president... Kelly is ready to take on the status quo, the politically correct, and the special interest. She knows that Washington is fundamentally broken. She knows that we need to drain the swamp. She knows that our, as our soon-to-be senior Senator David Perdue says, the road to socialism will not run through Georgia. Well, so uh, Governor Kemp there echoing some some actually very uh, Trumpian statements, certainly. Before she was appointed, President Donald Trump did meet with now Senator Leffler. Do you, do you know how that meeting went? Yeah, um, it didn't go that well. Um, it was uh, a part of go- the governor's attempt to win Donald Trump's support for Kelly Leffler because he had so actively, behind the scenes at least, uh, lobbied for the governor to pick Doug Collins to the seat. Doug Collins is a known quantity. He's one of the, the president's most forceful defenders against impeachment and supportive of his, of, of his agenda. And Kelly Leffler was not that well known to him. So um, that, that secret of meeting um, back in th- around Thanksgiving um, didn't go so well. I was told that the president left unswayed, still wanted um, Doug Collins to be the pick. But the fascinating thing since then is that the president has been silent. Um, on both Doug Collins and Kelly Leffler. And so for Kelly Leffler's team, that's, that's a win. Doug Collins, who still may run for the Senate uh, in that seat vacated by Johnny Isaacson. Also, we're going to have another race because David Perdue's term is up. So this is really setting up the stakes for a big senatorial kind of 
showdown in 2020. Huge. You know, the, the split between Democrats and Republicans is 47-53 in the Senate. And so if Democrats can flip these two seats, they're, they're well on their way to f- the flipping the chamber. So that's why this you're going to see an unprecedented amount of attention, resources, and just, and just money. Um, spent on, on these two races next this year in Georgia. And she has a great deal of her own personal fortune that she could be spending. And that's another one of the reasons I, I neglected to mention earlier why Governor Kemp picked her. I mean, it had to be a factor is that she's going to spend $20 million at least of her own money. That's what she's pledged to spend on this race. So, you know, when you're talking about someone who can self-finance their campaign to that extent, because, you know, as you know, she's facing election in November for the remaining two years of Senator Isaacson's old term. So um, she has to hit the ground running immediately. Well, let's hear a little bit about that. Uh, President Trump, not swayed, but how about Republicans in and outside of the Georgia political circles? What was their response or what are they thinking now? Well, she's been going on an extended rollout tour um, since her appointment. And, And notably, as I mentioned, a lot of these top Republican leaders said they welcomed her, you know, they, they, they look forward to meeting her, but they didn't endorse her. And so a lot of uh, local activists are saying the same thing. They're reserving judgment. They want to see how she, you know, acts the first few months, what vote she takes, what priorities she has the first few months she's in office. And very quickly, she set out to make clear that she was going to vote against the Democratic-led push to impeach and to oust President Donald Trump. Uh, she and her husband, who's a very powerful and wealthy financial executive, have do- made donations to Republican campaigns and Democratic campaigns. She has said unequivocally that she's pro-Trump, anti-impeachment. What else do we know about her political beliefs and policies? Well, the 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 um, debut that Governor Kemp gave her could have just could have been him talking about President Trump, right? I mean, an outsider wants to drain the swamp, who wants to fight the the establishment and the status quo, wants to shake things up, right? That that's that's those are all the buzzwords and special interests. Those are all the buzzwords that we heard uh, President Trump supporters talking about. Um, so he's trying to quickly align her with President Trump because the the last thing he wants is someone like Doug Collins to take that space and to compete against her on the on her right flank. Um, she is trying to establish her own political identity right now. There's very little breathing room between her and David Perdue or her and President Trump right now. There's no known distinctions um, in terms of policy standpoints. She says she's anti-abortion. She's kind of distanced herself from her team. Her, she co-owns the WNBA franchise, The Dream, which came out against the Religious Liberty Bill back in 2016. Mm-hmm. She's distanced herself from that position. She says she's pro-wall. She's pro-military. She's pro-conservative judges. So she's, she's looking to make it nearly impossible possible for conservative critics to say that she's not conservative enough. I'm speaking with AJC political reporter Greg Bluestein about Georgia's newly sworn in Senator Kelly Leffler and what Georgians can expect from her in office. One of the things that Governor Kemp highlighted in his appointment was her upbringing. Tell us a little bit about the background of Kelly Leffler. Yeah, for folks who and conservative critics have already said that how does this, you know, uh, nearly a billionaire, multi multimillionaire um, fi- uh, finance executive connect with average voters? Well, on the campaign trail already, she's highlighting not her her tech exec her finance executive background, but her upbringing in rural Illinois, where she grew up on a soybean farm. Um, she immediately landed a spot on the very powerful agricultural committee in the U.S. Senate. And um, I think she'll be highlighting some of the work she does there to try to try to boost her credentials with these grassroots conservatives who, who could well determine her fate. 
Kelly Leffler's husband is worth something like half a billion dollars, if I've got that right. Might even be more than that. And as you said, that could help when coming to financing a campaign. But how about being so wealthy? Could those finances or those kind of relationships complicate her role as a senator? They sure could. Uh, He is the CEO of the Intercontinental Exchange, which is an Atlanta-based company that's basically a financial trading platform giant. It owns. It's so big it owns the New York Stock Exchange. So that's how powerful it is. And as a senator, she will vote on a range of issues, including regulatory and financial issues, including um, commissioners for the for the Securities and Exchange Co- Commission, which oversees a lot of these trading platforms, including the New York Stock Exchange. And she'll have to also figure out how she will uh, distance herself from potential conflicts of interest, whether she puts her finances in a blind trust, uh, whether she recuses herself from certain financial votes that might not even be on our radar right now, but that could come up. Well, and here is Kelly Leffler in the speech at the appointment trying to establish her bona fides, I guess, as a, as a conservative. Here she is. Make no mistake, Washington Democrats want to overturn much more than an election. They want to overturn our way of life because they resent America's success. In his farewell speech to the Senate, Johnny Isaacson called for bipartisanship and championed working across the aisle. But here, Senator Leffler takes a different tone. So what does that mean, Greg, for Georgia politics? Well, what a contrast, right? I mean, Senator Isaacson, after 45 or so years in public service, ended with an embrace with John Lewis, the Democrat, you know, ended with this, this bipartisan show of support from both sides of the aisle in the U.S. Senate. Um, we don't know enough about whether or not Kelly Leffler will, will try to reach out across the aisle. But so far, her, all her rhetoric, all her tone, all her stances have been all about being conservative mm. and, and being pro-Trump and, and standing with other Republicans. So, you know, it, it could take some time to, to figure out if she is going to be a consensus builder like Senator Isaacson or if she's going to be more partisan. That sounds like campaign speech in a way, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, and, and she is. I think her entire introduction in this rollout has all been about trying to buffer her from a potential conservative opponent like Doug Collins or who or someone else. Doug Collins could decide tomorrow he doesn't want to run, but another conservative could could step up and run. And and in this type of election, it's a special election. It's not a normal election. So there's no primary to hash out nominees. So candidates from all uh, all parties will be on the same ballot. So you could have 20 people on the same ballot. And in that scenario, she and her supporters are very worried about a strong Republican challenger who could, you know, end up in in a runoff instead of her. So does she inherit all of the committee positions that were held by Johnny Isaacson? No, she's had her own slate of um, commissions. And remember, Senator Isaacson was so senior that he was the chair of not one but two different committees, Veterans Affairs and Ethics. Um, so that sort of seniority is what you need to get those you know, kind of top perks. But she has, I don't know if the word is inheriting, but she has taken on a lot of his staff, which is very important. So his chief of staff, some of his senior advisors are now on her campaign, on, on her uh, administration as well. And so she's, it's very important to have that kind of transition because this is a huge job. You have constituent services, you have all sorts of policies to craft, all sorts of committee work to do. And so having... Uh, folks that who already know Georgia and know the issues that she'll have to confront up in Washington is going to be important for her. So in the 2020 race, we could see Doug Collins or another Republican or many, as I, you said, running in this special election. How important would it be for Kelly Loeffler to get President Trump's endorsement now after a sort of lukewarm response from him in the past? Well, certainly that's what she's gunning for. Um, and uh, and at at the minimum, she wants him to stay neutral in the race, right? Um, if if he, if he doesn't say anything negative about her or positive about a potential rival, then that's a victory. But 
um, at you know maximum, they are going for the endorsement because you saw what happened in the 2018 race. The moment that the president endorsed Brian Kemp, he might have already you know he was already ahead in the polls in that runoff against Casey Cagle. But once he endorsed. The floodgates open and it was a rout. Yeah. And the same thing could well happen, at least on the Republican side, um, if, uh, if, if President Trump does voice his support for Kelly Leffler. What are you going to be watching for when you're watching Kelly Leffler uh, learning her chops or exercising her muscle in the Senate? Well, her first stances are really important. She has said she supports the resolution to dismiss the impeachment charges um, if they're never transmitted to the Senate. She's also backed Ted Cruz's resolution commending President Trump for his uh, strike on uh, the Iranian general. Um, but really how she evolves as a senator the next few months will be will be one of the most fascinating stories in Georgia. And also, we... we Barely mentioned this, but what Democrat decides to run against her? Because you have Matt Lieberman, the son of Joe Lieberman, who's already announced, but you'll have a higher profile Democrat also get in the race. And there's several names floating out there, but the Democrat who runs against this race could help really define it and shape it. Greg Bluestein, we know we'll be hearing more on Political Rewinds, where you are a regular, and also your reporting for the AJC. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Greg is a political reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And we welcome you to join the conversation about Leffler or any other thing that you hear on OST. In fact, the Facebook group, GPB Radio's On Second Thought. We're also on Twitter at OST Talk. Joyce Davis did. She heard the conversation with Malcolm Gladwell and said, Yay, what an excellent way to add to my fantastic start of 2020. Listening to my favorite podcaster, Revisionist History's Malcolm Gladwell on OST Talk. You can leave us your comment on our Facebook group. We may just read it on the air. Coming up, did you order from the Migos menu at Popeye's last month? Well, we'll learn more about the recent marketing partnership and what it indicates about fast food trends at large. I'm Virginia Prescott. Stay with us for more of On Second Thought.